And now, two pigeons bemoaning the fact you can stream DirecTV satellite-free. Hey, Frank, a little birdie told me you don't need a satellite dish to get DirecTV. What's little birdie? Was it Jimmy the Sparrow? It's a figure of speech. Point is, you can stream DirecTV over the internet now. Oh, sure. Next you're gonna tell me those big birds are made of metal and filled with people, right? <laughs> you mean airplanes? Stream DirecTV without a satellite dish. Visit DirecTV.com. High-speed internet service required. Terms and restrictions apply. Hello and welcome to the Metrospective Podcast. I'm Ted Berg, joined on the line, as always, by the Athletics Mets beat writer, Tim Britton. And Tim, you called it. I nailed it. I, you know, I, I predicted exactly how this was going to play out earlier this week. If you listened to our last podcast, you know that I was the one who plotted it out and said, I said, there's no be- way we'll do a podcast if they don't play a game. <laughs> I'm the one who predicted that we would be doing a podcast without them playing a game, thinking maybe it would rain. Uh, I was trying, I was trying to set it up as if I had predicted uh, the drama of Francisco Lindor uh, signing a very long contract extension. Um, but uh, no, said the, the thing I got right was not that. The thing I got right was that there would be no opening day baseball for the Mets, unfortunately. And I got to say, like, there's, you know, of of all of the many stupid byproducts of this horrible pandemic, I think one of the dumbest is this notion that there's like a stigma to getting it. Like, it's it's literally a global pandemic and like 10% of people in the world have, have had COVID-19 at, at this point. But uh, at the same time, like, I, I want to know the Nationals player who, and, and I want to know what he did to, to, to rob me of my opportunity to watch meaningful baseball tonight, because we were recording this on Thursday night. At the time, it would be like the third inning, probably. Um, and instead, uh, there's no baseball for the Mets tonight. There's everybody else playing baseball, but not the Mets and the Nationals. Yeah, I think that is the interesting fan reaction. Uh, like, and this dates back to, like, I, I remember in the football season, I think I think the Steelers fans in particular were upset because of the way their schedule got mangled by opponents having uh, COVID pauses and different things. Uh, but that, you know, you want the Nationals to be punished for some in some way for this, uh, which is probably which is is not rational and not fair. The Mets, as as Mets fans may remember, uh, had their own issues uh, with COVID last August, uh, and they got to make those games up. They got you know they got to uh, very famously win a game on a walk off home run at Yankee Stadium. Uh, so especially at this point in the season, there is no need to uh, force the Nationals to play with like double A players. Uh, you know, what, what are the, like people say, what's the alternate site for? And, and, you know, why don't they have call-ups for these guys? The problem is they were all together in spring training like three days ago. Uh, right. And if you called up and if you call up like 10 guys from the alternate site and then you put them in contact with the remaining, uh, 15 guys on the Philly, uh, on the nationals, some of whom have been in contact with the guy who, you know, and then it's like, it's a, you're just spreading it more. Uh, right, no, so. I, I, I understand why they're not playing. I just wish there were baseball when are they when are they going to play when when will the Mets play a game yeah so in our, our conversation with Luis Rojas this afternoon that's Thursday afternoon uh, we talked to him about 345 ish uh, he was confident that they'd be playing on Saturday later in the day uh, Mike Rizzo the Nationals general manager uh, talked about kind of laid out the details of, of the spread for the Nationals that they had multiple other players test positive this morning or Thursday morning uh, and so that 
uh, has led some of the Mets organization to be a bit less, uh, a bit more skeptical, I should say, uh, about the possibility of playing Saturday. Were I a betting man, I would probably venture that the Mets opening day would be Monday in Philadelphia uh, and that they would make up these games against the Nationals down the road. They do have 16 more matchups with them over the course of the season. Um, but, uh, you know, it's, that Saturday and Sunday have not been ruled out entirely as of the time we're recording this. Things could change on Friday morning uh, when the Nationals test get to get some more tests back, do some more contact tracing and all that. It, it could turn out, you know, the Red Sox had an issue uh, last week or earlier this week when it seemed like they were going to lose a couple different players and then they were all fine. Uh, so there's, there's still, I suppose, that chance, but uh, it's probably looking more and more like a, a Monday opening day for the Mets against the Phillies. And again, rationally, I don't blame anyone for, for getting COVID-19. I understand it's, it's uh, in many cases, very, very difficult to enjoy, avoid. It's incredibly contagious. But again, uh, at the same time, I want security footage uh, from every restaurant and bar on the one street in West Palm Beach that has restaurants and bars. Uh, and and I want to know which, I want to know which nationals we're going out because, uh, I really wish there was baseball. Let's talk about Lindor. Uh, this happened. It happened. Yeah, I mean, that's like, it 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 looked like it was going to happen. And then it didn't look like it was going to happen. Like, it really didn't for look like, like, like going to happen. For like three hours, it looked like it wasn't going to happen. Right? Like, it was a very I, I, brief I, I, time. I would say it was probably like a solid 24 to 36 hours. Uh, uh, I don't know. I, I don't know. I, I, I had, I believe, I believe you got to believe. <laughs> I, I just, I was sticking. I was like, ah, this, you know, like, oh, really? He wants 380. Like that seems extreme. Who does he really think? I don't know. It seemed like he wasn't going to get that. And, and he, he I, I don't know. I, it felt like a lot of like, oh, okay, we're going to do this publicly. All right, fine. We want 12 years, 385. Um, and then, and then, you know, I, I don't know. I, I felt confident it was still, I, I believed that's all. I, I think if I were diving into this like 13 months ago, I would have been in the same spot as you, where I, I would have remained optimistic the entire time that a deal would have gotten done. But there have been so many instances in this sport in the last 13 months where it may, you know, the, the whole reason this deal got done in my mind, like it just made too much sense for both sides. There was too much, uh, importance for both sides to get it done but i have said that about so many things in baseball in the last 13 months that have not come to pass the like universal dh de- like yeah pitchers exactly. are hitting this year still every no one wants this like no <laughs> one wants this anymore other than like and i was a i was like a pretty staunch i was in a, the rare camp of saying like i think i like the difference between the two leagues and i'm happy with the national league not having the dh and the american league having the dh and uh, it, and it lasted until they introduced the lineup at opening day last year. And I was like, oh, wait, the the Mets get to have a DH now? Like, that's actually way better. And and it, it totally sold me. It feels like everyone wants the DH. It's crazy that they don't have it. Uh, that's, just, that's aside from the point. Yes, uh, you, you make a good point. Things, a lot of times, baseball and baseball teams seem to shoot themselves in the foot on things that that uh, should get done and everyone wants to get done. But in this particular case, it would have been a really, really bad look. And you wrote a great column about this. It would have been a horrible look for Steve Cohen to come in, a guy we know has $10 billion, to come in like talking big, goes out and gets the big acquisition and then to turn around and then and like boast about the ravioli being bad and then not get that done like that makes that guy a villain um, forever and immediately 
Yeah, it was it was an interesting dynamic. How it it seemed like Mets fans had had uh, set themselves off in in opposing camps on Twitter uh, over those the, those twenty four to thirty six hours where it looked like it wasn't going to happen. You had like the Cohen camp, which was like he's done everything he can do. He's made a fair offer. It would be ridiculous if Lindor doesn't accept this. And then you had the Lindor camp, which is how can you not sign Francisco Lindor? How can you make this trade and not sign him? And I spent a lot of that time trying to decipher how I felt about it because, uh, like, you know, I think 10 years and $325 million was a fair offer. I think 12 years and $385 million was a fair counteroffer. Like, you know, I think you could have written at, at the time if it didn't get done that, both sides kind of blew this, but both sides were still kind of reasonable about it. Uh, it wasn't like they were, you know, the Mets were offering two hundred million and, and Lindor wanted five hundred. Right. They were both in like the same stratosphere, which, in retrospect, suggests that it, it was going to get done all the whole time. Uh, but it just, you know, from the the reporting that I and, and some others had done, it just it seemed like they were kind of entrenched at, at where they were and didn't want to budge uh, until. You know the the very last minute there, where you know the the game of chicken uh, breaks up a little bit when when you get close to actually colliding. And the final terms, I believe, ten years, three forty one, right? And it was one million more than was that intentional? One million more than Fernando Tatis Jr. got? Like was that like a could because I think Ricky Henderson did that at some point, right? I mean, it it has to be intentional. Um, from from what I've I've heard, it, it's the Mets who bumped it up to that that point. Uh, and you know that was a oh, way that's of, nice, like a like a nice little like like well, we'll make you the, the highest paid shortstop, right? And you know, I, I think Lindor has said nice things about Tatis, great player, you know, great deal for him, really happy for him, uh, and kind of shrugged off the notion that it was important for him to be the highest paid shortstop. But you know, you don't you don't prices right someone by going like a dollar more than them without that being a meaningful gesture. Um, and so it, it does seem. Like for Lindor, who is, you know, he's a member of the uh, executive subcommittee for the Players Association. Which, so he, he's, he knows that uh, his deal is important for others the same way that, you know, Tatis's deal was important for him. That, that all of these things are built off of comparisons and juxtapositions. Uh, and I thought it was, it was interesting on, on Thursday, he pointed, you know, a lot of people set the path for me to make this kind of money. So I felt the responsibility to do that for others moving forward for a big shortstop class uh, in this upcoming free agency. Uh, which will be interesting to see if anyone gets more than the 341. If someone gets 342 or 341 and a half or something like that, uh, that, that, that he was thinking about that. So uh, that suggests that, yeah, it was it was important that he got more than, than Tatis, even though it's really not a, a one-to-one correspondence between them. Well, you mentioned the way this contract will affect others. Uh, and and you you mentioned the shortstops was a good point. It's a, it's a very good class of, of free agent shortstops about to hit the market, but uh, what about the others on, on the Mets in the Mets clubhouse? Because I think as uh, pretty much every Mets fan, uh, as soon as like the the smile wore off your face from from knowing that this was got done, you moved on to thinking, okay, well now now do Conforto right? And and so when will they do Conforto? Yeah, that one would be a little bit tougher. It's easier now that you have Lindor done to do Conforto because you know more... what your budget looks like and such. Exactly. You, you oh, have, I want to. I just want to note. I want to note also, and I wonder if you think this is intentional, just like so people can stop saying it. There is like the five million deferred that will pay out into the twenty forties on Lindor's deal, which means 
that people can't make the joke about how in 10 years, the, when Lindor leaves, the Mets will still be paying Bobby Bonilla. They're going to be paying Francisco Lindor somehow for even longer than they pay Bobby Bonilla. The, the Bobby Bonilla thing, and maybe we'll get into this at some other time, uh, is so blown out of proportion. I mean, he is well, not I, the worst yeah. case here. <laughs> no, and, and I think people don't realize that that's like a very common thing, the the salary deferment. And I mean, I, I wrote a whole thing about it That's that's been it, every year it like trends uh, on Twitter because I wrote like the counter argument to the stupid Bobby Vanilla Day jokes. Um, yeah, it was it, it was a, it was a smart financial deal move for the Mets. Like the, the money is worth more now than it is later. Um, and especially at the time, they thought they were getting like 10% return on their investment. They didn't know Madoff was a fraud yet. Um, I, I don't know. Yeah, but that's a whole separate thing. We can we can do a, a whole show about Bybinia. <laughs> Looking for an assist with your credit card, but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 US-based live customer service from Discover, Everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service at any time. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Looking for an assist with your credit card but can't get a hold of anyone? Luckily, with 24-7 U.S.-based live customer service from Discover, everyone has the option to talk to a real person anytime, day or night. Yep, you heard that right. You can talk to a real human and customer service anytime. Sounds like a real game changer if you ask us. Make the right call and get the service you deserve with Discover. Limitations apply. See terms at discover.com slash credit card. Uh, do you think Conforto is next? Do you think that they're, they, cause they are, you know, now there's, um, I don't know if it was you who pointed out, but I, I read it somewhere that someone pointed out that, that Lance McCullers, uh, a guy who has some sort of some similarities to Cindergaard and, and has also had, had Tommy John, uh, signed a long extension with the, with the Astros. Like, does that forebode perhaps an, an extension for Syndergaard? Um, uh, you know, and then I think, we, as we've discussed at, at length, like, I, I still think that they should be looking at some of the younger guys as well. Yeah, so I think we'll go one by one. With Conforto, uh, I think it's still going to be difficult because there's not as, you know, Conforto's track record is not what Lindor's is. Uh, his, you know, Conforto's best season was last year. It was 60 games. Uh, he also had a really great 2017, but that's a couple of years ago. And again, was not like the full 162 game season. He got hurt at the end of that year. Uh, and so you don't have, you know, Lindor had the four or five years of four, to, you know, at least four or five wins above replacement. He had a, one of, I think, seven and a half wins above replacement. Like you well, knew Confort- that- I mean, Conforto's not going to get 10 years and $341 million. Right, yeah, but you also don't have like the year-to-year consistency with him. Like, if you if you think he's the player he was in 2020, uh, then this is a guy who, yeah, is is close to a 200 million dollar player. If you think he's the kind of guy who's he's going to hit close to 30 and 100 for you, but by hitting 260, getting on base at a 340 clip, not in, you know the 380, 390. I think he was over 400 last year, uh, not at that clip. Then he's he's you know he's not going to. He's a, he's a nine-figure player, I think, in any case, but he's not a $200 million player. You know, I think there's a little bit more uncertainty with where he is on the spectrum, where he resides uh, for uh, the best outfielders in the game, uh, and that you know both sides could use a little bit of, of in-game knowledge this year. And Conforto is not knocking down, you know, I think Lindor 
preferred to sign an extension as long as it was within the, the realm of what he wanted. Uh, I don't think Conforto is knocking down that door quite the same way. I don't think the Mets are knocking down Conforto's door the same way they were with Lindor. There, were, there wasn't the same urgency from both sides, uh, I think, to get something done uh, the way they did in that case. So I, I'm more pessimistic about that getting done in the near future uh, with those two. And then I, I, I did write the thing about, about Syndergaard and McCullers. Uh, and what, what struck me was like, McCull- you know, McCullers had Tommy John and missed 2019 and came back and made 11 starts last year in 2020, the, the full season, but it's still 11 starts and got an $85 million contract over five years. And Syndergaard uh, is going to miss all of 2020. He'll come back and he'll make, you know, you would think at least 11 starts or around that number this year. And if he pitches reasonably well, you know, McCullers pitched a little bit worse than his career track record, which is worse than Syndergaard's career track record, and still got $85 million. So uh, if Syndergaard pitches, you know, okay down the stretch, that suggests, you know, he hits the open market, he's probably getting a $100 million deal himself. To, that, that's what that said to me, because uh, he's also, you know, McCullers was like the one guy who was going to be younger than him in free agency, and now he's not there. Yeah, I mean, you could almost look at, at Zach Wheeler as like a, because, you know, Wheeler missed a lot of time with with Tommy John as well. Like, you can almost look at him at, at him as a comp for, for Syndergaard there. Yeah, and like, you know, I had said a lot last year that, you know, Syndergaard would be an interesting guy to try to sign to like a short extension, like a two-year thing. You see teams sign free agents who are under, who have just undergone Tommy John to like a two-year deal where they only, they know they're only getting the second part of it. Uh, and Syndergaard seemed like, you know, once he gets hurt in March of last year, maybe you talk about that with him. But I think you've gotten to the point now where he's healthy enough. He's progressed enough in his rehab where he's probably not interested in a deal like that. You know, he sees what McCullers got. He's willing to bet on himself. He has said that in the past that he's probably willing to just kind of roll the dice, see what happens. What about on the Noah Syndergaard suggests he's willing to bet on himself? <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I mean, but but. I don't know. What, if they threw 585 and 85 at him right now, do you think he takes it? No, I think because his, his his numbers are, are almost twice what McCullers were in terms of, of wins above replacement. I don't think that means he's a 5 for 170 player by any stretch of the imagination. Right. Uh, but it's it's probably, you're talking more, you're talking closer to the, the deal Wheeler signed, which was 5 for 118 uh, mm-hmm. than, than what McCullers did and and you would understand if you're the Mets uh that's not something you're going to throw out before he he makes a start for you any chance they sign Stroman I don't you know I haven't heard anything in that in that seems space like yet. it seems least likely and only because I, I have heard like no rumblings yeah there, there there have been no rumblings about it uh and you know he's another one that I, I feel like uh is tougher to exactly place where he fits mm-hmm. because you know, like Wheeler got paid off of his stuff as much as he got paid off of his results. Uh, you know, his I think his career ERA plus was like 101 when he signed. Uh, but you could see that he was improving and, and there was more to unlock there, that the Mets hadn't quite consistently unlocked the latter part of his, his time there. And Stroman is a guy who gets pretty good results, but they're different than the rest of the league's trends. He's not striking guys out a ton, although he did the second half uh, of 2019 with the Mets. Uh, he's a ground ball contact guy. Uh, so I think that that's another person you want to see what he does this year to see exactly how he fits the current trends in Major League Baseball. Um, and, you know, I feel like there's a wide, wider range of where he falls uh, in free agency. He's another guy who would who will be younger than 30 uh, when he hits free agency. Uh, or maybe he might be 30 now that he's got the qualifying offer for a year. Um, but still on the younger side for a pitcher in free agency. And I, I think 
I my under my guess uh, is that he's he after a year where he didn't test free agency last year that he's uh, willing to do that this year without the qualifying offer attached to him. I guess that having a bunch of good young players who you might want who you're interested in signing to extensions is like kind of a good problem, especially when when you now have the richest owner in baseball. And I kind of hope that Lindor somehow in that in that uh, ravioli chicken parm dinner like earned his way into Steve Cohen's ear and will now just be like, yeah, ex- extend Conforto, extend McNeil, extend, you know, it just, it just, uh, because I got to imagine coming from Cleveland, like, and, and what he must have, I mean, because, because he played for such good teams with the Indians, like just, and, and then to have it like every year, it was like every year they would pick it apart a little more a little more and like the team stayed good and and how frustrating it must have been to just be like hey you know if we could just like put in this extra money and and go this one extra mile like this is a world series caliber team they made the world series they um they were consistently in the playoffs they consistently had some of the best starting pitching um and and like i i feel like i i wonder the extent to which you know that sort of guided him to sign this extension that that gave him the the mentality of wanting an extension so badly like the feeling of like coming to this new team and just like someone turning on the lights and like this is it's going to be different here this is the steve cohen mets and like welcome aboard bro yeah i mean you you see i think i think once cohen and co were willing to go to the 300 million that lindor uh you know that was kind of the baseline right was was that deal was going to start with a three uh the willingness to match Lindor's price, or or to meet halfway at least, uh, suggests you know that that makes Lindor want to sign even more because it's like oh you know he's willing to go where he he needs to go to keep this team uh, to get this team where I want it to be as a, a consistent contender. You know Cleveland one of the reasons they they were, have been able to extend this window was some of the extensions they signed earlier. You know Jose Ramirez they signed to a very inexpensive team friendly mm-hmm. extension. Corey Kluber. Uh, when he, you know, yeah, you look at the opposite approaches the Mets and Indians took with Degrom and Kluber, their respective Stetson Cy Young winners. You know, the Indians signed, extended Kluber pretty early, I think, before he had won the Cy Young, and and pretty inexpensively. Uh, and the Mets waited for a while with Degrom, and it cost them a lot more money, although still pretty significantly below market. Um, and the you know Cleveland going back to like the '90s, that was how they signed all those guys to extensions. Mm-hmm. That they, they were, were like the, the team first that made team that to do cool. that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, so you know, I, you you hope that, and it's basically, uh, and it's been, it's been, there's been continuity in the in the front office since then, right? Like I, I feel like the there's never been like a massive sweep uh, of the. Is am I wrong on that? I, I feel like they've had, uh, it's just been promotions, never like a, a fully new guy. I think so. I mean, they, you've got like so many people in the sport have branched out from that, that mid to late nineties Cleveland yeah. front office. You've got guys in. in Boston, who then moved to Chicago or and Arizona and all those places, the the guys in Toronto, uh, the the fingerprints of that Cleveland front office are everywhere. So you know we we've talked about it a bunch. Like Dominic Smith is a guy that the Mets should probably be talking about a longer term extension with. Brandon Nimmo is a guy that makes sense, and and Alonzo McNeil. Uh, there are ways to uh, to do the kind of you know those guys are probably all beyond what what David Fletcher of the Angels signed uh, mm-hmm. on Thursday. But that's the type of deal that, that I think the Mets haven't explored much in the last decade and, and should be what they prioritize moving forward. Uh, I want to keep this show tight tonight because we, there was no baseball game. And, and, uh, but we do want to take, I do want to take a question from Twitter tonight. 
Um, and we got a bunch of good ones, and I wanna, one I want to put a pin in for later, which is asking you about Staten Island Pizza, but that feels like maybe too loaded a conversation to <laughs> jump into here. Um, so now I'm looking for the one that I should have probably opened in a tab on my computer. Uh, here it is. It's from Andrew Emmer, at Andrew Emmer on Twitter. He says... Who is the coolest Met of the last 20 years? Not necessarily best, and they don't have to even play them for them for all that long. Just coolest to wear a Mets uniform in the last 20 years. Last 20 years, you've got Jose Reyes, David Wright. You've got like some stars. You've got Mike Piazza played in the last 20 years. Tim, do you have an answer? Who is the coolest Met of the last 20 years? The first one that came to mind to me, and, and you have told me you have the right answer. I have so the correct I... answer, So, and I think you might have it too. Uh, the first one that came to my mind was Cliff Floyd. Uh, because Cliff Floyd, every conversation I've only I, had. I'm like, going to feel so bad saying it's wrong because Cliff Floyd came and played baseball with me and my friends one time. <laughs> um, and he is such a cool guy. Like, he is such a cool guy. But go on. Uh, you know, I've, I've had maybe two or three conversations with Cliff Floyd. They've all been great. Uh, they've all been very funny. Uh, he knows how to make fun of the players he played with. I remember uh, the night that David Wright played his last game, Floyd was there. Uh, and you know, he said, so he said some really nice things about, right. You know, great guy, great, great character and all this. And then just dropped like, can't dress at all. Although that changed <laughs> once he got money. Now he knows how to, um, which was perfect. Uh, and you know, Floyd, uh, every Mets fan, his chief memory of Cliff Floyd, his or her chief memory of Cliff Floyd is the home run he hit against the angels, uh, after he had just hit one foul in June of 2005. I think. Uh, and that was to me as a fan, one of the coolest home runs you could hit is like to just miss it and then expressly try again and nail it on. I think it was the next pitch and pitch or two after against Brendan Donnelly uh, to That's win the game. Right. And, and I remember Floyd like letting out a yell while he rounded second base. And that seemed like the coolest thing in the world. He was an incredibly uh, charismatic player and definitely a cool guy. But coolest to me is a no doubt Suyoshi Shinjo, the Elvis Presley of Japan. <laughs> uh, like it's just this, this guy was the cool. Like if, if you and I and I actually was just on a podcast earlier this week, um, and it was a it was a funny. The premise was like a, I drafted a Mets team of players who had never made an All Star team or won any any postseason awards, um, and so you had to tra- draft like the best Mets who who never got any sort of. Uh, recognition in that way and i took i took shinjo with my last pick just for my bench because i just loved him so much and and i said this and i said this and if you go to youtube and search for suyoshi shinjo prepare to spend like the rest of your afternoon watching suyoshi shinjo commercials in japan because they are incredible he is uh extraordinarily charismatic he's very handsome he can dress he can move like he is just cool. They he is treated as a god in Japan as he should be. Um, and even though he, you know, not the best Met, certainly not the best. No one would accuse him of being the best Met of the last twenty years. But to me, undoubtedly the coolest. He he homered in the home opener in two thousand one. Was that his claim to uh, to on field fame with the Mets? I I feel like was that I did- I, I I know. Hazmat Sui always homered on opening day, and he was like another big, big name Japanese import. I don't remember if Shinjo homered in, in the home opener. I would have been there because I definitely would have gone to the 2001 home opener. Here we go to our 
Baseball Reference Game Logs 2001. Uh, yes, he did. Homer in the home opener. You're correct. Nailed it. Uh, uh, and I believe, like, by the by the end of that season, uh, he was, like, was he he was like batting cleanup when they were making that run in September uh you know before the benitez blown saves where it was just like oh yeah like naturally you you've got your lineup you've got your <laughs> yeah. alfonso piazza shinjo, shinjo yeah, right. just like the plan uh shinjo hit fourth for like most of the games in in <laughs> september and october of that year that's wild um uh, not your but he had a nice season that year he had a nice season that year he had like a actually i don't know 725 ops in in 2001 baseball is not really a nice season is it seven that's that's a nice ops for like 2011 baseball <laughs> when the year of the pitcher came back yeah um tim let's wrap it up there uh thank you everyone for listening hopefully uh by the next time we speak hopefully there will actually be baseball games to talk about let's cross our fingers for that tim don't jinx this one please or unjinx or whatever you did um if you Enjoy the podcast. Please subscribe, rate, review on iTunes, Spotify, everywhere. You could do those things. You can ask us questions either either on Twitter. I'm at OG Ted Berg. Tim's at, at Tim Britton. Uh, or you can email me, and I will relay the questions to the podcast uh, at asktedberg at gmail.com. Tim, best of luck watching a real baseball game uh, that the Mets play at some point. I'm looking forward to it. Adios. Peace out. As you've probably heard by now, we've teamed up with BetMGM this season. We'll be using BetMGM lines to make all of our picks, and we'll have special offers for our listeners each week. If you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC, and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic, plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager with BetMGM. Here's how it works. Download the BetMGM app and sign up using bonus code THEATHLETIC. Make your first deposit of at least $10. Place your first bet on any game and claim your voucher for a one-year subscription to The Athletic. See BetMGM.com for terms. U.S. promotional offers not available in D.C., Mississippi, New York, Nevada, Ontario, or Puerto Rico. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Available in the U.S. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY 467-369 in New York. Call 1-800-NEXT-STEP in Arizona. 1-800-327-5050 in Massachusetts. 1-800-BETS-OFF in Iowa. 1-800-270-7117 for confidential help in Michigan. 1-800-981-0023 in Puerto Rico. First bet offer for new customers only in partnership with Kansas Crossing Casino and Hotel. Don't forget, if you haven't signed up for BetMGM yet, use bonus code THEATHLETIC and you'll get a one-year subscription to The Athletic plus up to a $1,500 first bet offer on your first wager.